There were two more murders 15 miles away. When police arrived, they found the telephones and electricity lines. We have a weird homicide. A scene described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird... Morning. Cop of murder. Some cases are doomed to remain unsolved. This is especially true when the murder takes place long before forensics became what it is today. On January 1st, 1902, a young girl was killed in her home and an unlikely suspect emerged from her own family. Despite this, her case remains unsolved to this day. So if you like your coffee hot but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. Bertha Chapin was the youngest of seven children born to the Windish immigrants living under a thatched roof in the South Australian town of Tuita. Her family was a close-knit one who held their Lutheran customs and their German language close to their hearts. On January 1st, 1902, Bertha's parents left their log home to visit some relatives in Eden Valley about 13 miles away from Tuita. In a time of horse and buggy, the trip would take most of the day and left Bertha and her older sister Mary home alone while the other siblings were either working out at other farms or staying in the nearby barn. At around 10 or 10.30, Mary woke up with the feeling of immense weight lying on her chest. When her eyes finally opened and were able to focus, she saw the figure of a strange bearded man lying directly across her chest. Panicked, she was able to wriggle free and run from the home to call for the brothers sleeping in the barn, realizing to her horror that she had just left Bertha alone with the unknown intruder. After running first to a neighbor's home who refused to help them, the brothers were able to raise the alarm with a local constable who lived about a mile away. Unfortunately, for one reason or another, the local law enforcement would not come out to the Chapin home until the next day. And when they did, they found the bloodied body of 13-year-old Bertha, who had been stabbed and slashed 40 different times. Blood completely covering their small home. Upon hearing the news of their daughter's murder, Bertha's parents rushed back to the farm so Mathis, her father, could formally identify her body. She had been killed just two weeks before her 14th birthday. Police opened up an inquest into Bertha's murder with several witnesses being called in only to fail to provide any possible perpetrator. A search was conducted for this bearded man, but nobody in town matched that description. So due to complete lack of evidence, police set their sight on 24-year-old Mary Chapin. Detained in Adelaide, Dr. Ramsey Smith, the city coroner, and the head of the Department of Health was called in as a witness in her case. He claimed that, on examination of Bertha's recently exhumed body and of the clothing Mary was wearing that day, he was unable to ascertain whether the blood found on the clothing was that of human or of a sheep, as Mary, who said she helped her father butcher a sheep a few days earlier, had claimed. The constable said that, as far as he could see, there had been no disturbances in the house, no signs of a break-in, and no reports of a stranger in the area the night of her murder. Between that and the presence of pulled-out hair found in the home, things weren't looking good for young Mary. And then the most sensational piece of evidence was brought forth when Mary herself admitted to being in a secret relationship with a man named Gustav Nietzsche. Much to the dismay of spectators, they were removed from the courtroom before 21-year-old Gustave could take the stand. 
Giving evidence in her case, he admitted that he and Mary had been in a relationship for almost a year, which, given the time period, irrevocably tarnished the young woman's reputation and gave the prosecution a motive, claiming that Bertha threatened to expose their affair to their disciplinarian father. With that, the jury came back in for deliberation and declared to a silent courtroom that Mary was not guilty of her sister's murder, claiming all of the evidence in her case was far too circumstantial. Stunned and surrounded by cheering both inside the courtroom and outside, Mary left through the crowd of thousands and Gustave, who was painted as the villain in her story, was escorted out the rear entrance. This trial, however, did little to stop the rumors swirling around Southern Australia. With no one to blame and forensics in its infancy, the public was forced to come up with their own conclusions on who killed Bertha Chapin. The media speculated it was Mary's own father who was responsible for her murder, claiming he was known for his hot temper and had some issues with the law in 1896, when he got into a dispute with some men and shot one of them in the leg. He was, like his daughter, acquitted of any charges. He was known for his stern nature, his strict discipline with his children, and had some rumor circulating that he killed a traveling hawker. Claiming this, wanting to keep all of this a secret, was the motive for murdering Bertha. Though he was out of town the night of the murder, with many doubting the possibility he could ride from one place to the other so quickly in the dead of night, some noted that his horse was perspiring the day after. Another potential suspect was 21-year-old lover Gustave Nietzsche, who some believed wielded the murder weapon in an effort to keep his affair with Mary a secret. He, however, had an alibi that placed him in Adelaide the night of the attack. With no further evidence, forensics being basically non-existent, and everyone involved in the case long gone, the case of Bertha Chapin is likely doomed to remain a cold case. Mary, reputation ruined, returned to the farming community in Tawita, became a recluse, and never married. She died of tuberculosis in 1919. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to hear what terrible thing happened on January 2nd. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe.